Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we went to Desperation. But before we talk about our movie, how was your 917th week in quarantine, Lemuel? It was wonderful. I had a birthday. You did have a birthday? I had a birthday and I had a flourless chocolate cake, which is the best chocolate cake I've ever had. And I had a a couple of wonderful gifts, including a leather bag and a collection of tiny Godzillas. Baby Godzillas. And um, baby Godzilla is a different creature. And <laughs> a big sort of serving dish with dinosaurs all over it. Many dinosaurs. That was the theme. Yes. We are doing a morning record, a mm-hmm. Sunday morning record. So sorry about our voices because... Apparently, they have fatigue. They have voice fatigue. So, this week, we watched the uh, ABC television movie, mm-hmm. Desperation. Okay. Now, Desperation is uh, was written in the 90s. I had thought that this was a post-accident book, but mm-hmm. it is not a post-accident book. That's interesting. Book. Uh, yes, this is probably the most... God-centric book, like wherein God is name-checked all of the time. Well, God is name-checked constantly in the stand as well. He, it that is true. And I, but think, I don't even think it's as blatant as in. This yeah, but one. I I thought about it a lot after we saw it last night, and I honestly think this is one of the more thoughtful and intelligent things that we've seen from him. To be honest. But we'll explain that as it goes on. That's so funny because I get the exact opposite. Yeah, and, and it I remember. It feels heavy handed and uh, overwrought to me. Yeah, and I can understand why somebody would think that. Um, I think the presentation is overwrought. But this is the first time I felt, well, no, aside from maybe The Shining, we are dealing with a huge theme and he's trying to confront it. It's interesting that this did not happen. I would have imagined it happened after the accident. Yes. And the other thing that I'm really curious about is the book now, because it was released as the mirror of another book. Right. So this book, Desperation, was mm-hmm. released at the same time as The Regulators, Okay. which is its mirror book. Mm-hmm. It's also, The Regulators was released under the pen name Richard Bachman. After Bachman had been, like, everybody knows at this point right. that Richard Bachman is Stephen King. But... <gasps> Stephen King can't. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> right. um, I love when they get a spoiler alert. But that movie's fifty years old. Of course, no, no, no. Still, but the only way that Stephen King can release two books at the mm-hmm. same time is to release one under a pen name. Right. So you use the pen name you've already used. Uh, I oh. can't wait until I find out the third pen name that he's used. Like all this time, he's it's been Dean Koontz. <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely not true, because uh, the writing style is vastly different. Um, Rosebud. Also, I've seen Dean Koontz as, he's like a human right. being, uh-huh. or a person. He's, he's a... Tra- <laughs> he has a whole life. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what you, He's name-checked in this movie, right. as you, well. You think you've seen Dean Koontz. That's right. I've seen... He's a crisis actor. Stephen King <laughs> wants me to believe Dean Koontz is. Yes, I... He's a crisis actor. I don't right, think that's... Exactly. You're using that term correctly. Crisis of identity. All right, so this uh, this film came out in March mm-hmm. of 2006, and it came out opposite 
American Idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rather than airing over two nights, they just mushed it into a thirty a, a three hour block, which was not a great idea. And aired it all in one night, uh, and it didn't do very well because it was up against American Idol, <laughs> which Stephen and was, was pissed off about. Actually, it was early American Idol, so this is back when it was still drawing enormous ratings too. Yes, so it it did not do well the night of, but did you know decently well and and was released on DVD later the same year. The cast of this movie is. Uh, bonkers. It also, um, we've got Mick Harris back again. Mm-hmm. Back again, because Mick Harris is by far, by far the director that has directed the most Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, they are very good friends. I'm sure that they have had at least one Thanksgiving together. Like, that is how close I think that mm-hmm. these two men are and their families are. Uh, I put the over-under on a Stephen King cameo at 80%. I thought for sure he was going to be in this movie. He mm-hmm. was not in this movie. And I was, and still am, shocked. Unless he's a body. And I just, there were a lot of also, dead bodies in this film. I don't know that you'd want to do a cameo in a film that takes place in the desert if you're from Maine. I'm trying to imagine Stephen King lying out there. Yeah, and he the could fly out for a day. Hundred degree sun. He was in the he was in the stand. Right, that's true. So, <laughs> all right. So, desperation, desperation, desperation. Teleplay by Stephen King, directed by Mick Garris. Cynthia does not make an appearance in this one. Mm. To the best of my knowledge, she also may have been a body. I don't know. There were a lot of bodies. Or a Chinese minor. Um, no, okay. I don't think anybody was in yellow face. We, we couldn't tell. It was, it was done in Sapia. Uh, right, yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, I don't even know where to start with this movie. I mean, we'll start at the beginning. Right. I didn't enjoy this. I'm sorry. I didn't enjoy the watching of this film. Okay. So, and, and I, I, I think that's more about me than about the movie. All right. But, well, we can discuss that afterwards. Because, yeah. So, we start more in the desert, driving through the desert, and it's a bickering couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a I don't know that corn, any. I would love to corn. see a couple that just gets along in a Stephen King right? story. And uh, these are Peter and Mary Jackson. Mm-hmm. Peter is played by Henry Thomas, formerly Elliot of uh, E.T. And Mary is played by Annabeth Gish, who has second billing on the film. Mm-hmm. And a very long and illustrious career, I have to say. She, I like Annabeth Gish. I mm-hmm. don't have anything. I don't have any problem with her. I do feel that she is just a placeholder for a brunette lady. Like, if we need a brunette lady, let's get her. She's serviceable. She'll be fine. <laughs> Not just serviceable. I don't think I've ever seen her phone it in. I, I've never seen her just do, yeah. and, and the films I've seen, she's trying to bring something, even if she's in random horror film or whatever she's appearing in, she seems to try to bring it, bring some sort of, even if it's not on the paper, she'll sure. try. But and she, she kind of overdoes it at times in this film, too. She also, though, doesn't really ever stand out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen the quintessential Annabeth Gish performance. You know what I'm saying? I think I have when she was... A teenage performer, and oh, she was well. distinguished herself from the Ali Sheedies and the um, the others in that kind of group. She did a film very early on with Julie Roberts, and I forget the actress's name, the one from the remake of The Haunting. Lily Taylor? Lily Taylor. 
And that was the film where everyone went on to a career, but Julie Roberts became the star and the other two became the actresses. So I've seen her do great stuff then. I don't think she I don't gets know. called She's on as much sort to do of, And her, her character in this is, is yeah. thankless. Yeah. Uh, I was immediately irritated by her because... Uh, so they're driving through the desert and a cop appears behind them. And mm. she would be grateful to get back to Salt Lake City where there's civilization. And so I'm like, okay, well, your <laughs> idea of civilization <laughs> right, exactly. very small town, which is fine. That's fine. Uh, I understand that I am in a minority having lived in, in Oakland and be around mm. a city. That's fine. The city proper. But I was just like, you know, Salt Lake City is still... She's like, there's so much nature out here. And I'm just like... Too much nature. Also in Salt Lake City. Like, right. that is also a very nature-based city. Like, this, the, this, well, it's I think... not like a city that's attached to another city, another city, and another city. It's literally a city mm. among just a large rural area. Like, in right. the middle of a large rural area. So, it's, I was just like, that is how, that is weird. But that's fine. And there's a cop that comes up behind them. They see them. He speeds right up and is on their tail, pulls up next to them, pulls in front of them, mm -hmm. slows way down, pulls over next to them, goes behind them, and then whoop, whoop, and pulls them over. And she, the, they have been in the car together this whole time. <laughs> the husband they ha Yes. Mm -hmm. They have the same amount of information. And she's just like, why is he pulling us over? Why? And I'm like, bitch, I know what you know. <laughs> like, I, that is a thing that I, and I think I hate it in real life, and so I don't like it mm -hmm. when people are doing it on the, on the stage, because I, 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 or on the screen, because I think it's, I don't think that's good writing. Mm -hmm. Henry Thomas only knows as much as Annabeth Gish knows. They mm -hmm. only know, like, he, he didn't get sides to say, this is what this police right. officer is doing. They are in the same situation. So don't... Yeah, I just... I, I hate that. Because I think it's a, it would be a silly thing for... Why would she ask him that question in real life? Uh, because people ask that question in real life. Don't You've they? done that. I have been stuck they in... They need to stop. <laughs> I have a childhood memory, a vivid one, of taking an elevator with a bunch of my friends and a, a relatively stupid person in this elevator decided it would be funny, because it was very old, to try to pry apart the elevator doors between floors. And it got stuck. And there was the one girl in the ba uh, among the, our schoolmates who just began screaming and asking questions about why the elevator was stuck, obviously because we opened the doors. And within less than a minute, she was crying and panicking and screaming. Well, she was clearly claustrophobic. Right. And, and so, but I've seen reactions like that. That's why, yeah, but, as irritating as it is, this feels real to even, me. But that's not even, I mean, you, you may not know that mm -hmm. the... That's a, a fair question to ask, because I mm. would not presume that trying to open the, the thing between floors. between floors would cause the elevator to stop moving. That's mm. not a necessarily a one-to-one -one correlation. So maybe, yes, you would need to explain that to somebody. But to ask somebody else's motivations, whom, you've, who've, whom neither of you have ever interacted with, why are you asking? Bitch, why are you asking? I think this? it was setting up like, her, it's her just, character. It's one of those things that just aggravates yeah. me. And it aggravates me in movies. It happens fairly regularly. It's almost always a woman. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I'm just like, I don't think we do this. I don't think this is a thing that women do. But it is a thing that men write women doing. Being this sort of uh, obnoxious uh, sort of 
demander of your information of like your whole like i believe you are holding out information on me at all mm. times which is a that like where is this coming from i don't so know. anyway so mm. that, i was aggravated five minutes in. <laughs> like four minutes in, maybe they are pulled over and the the sheriff that comes out and has them uh roll down the window and give them the register their license and registration although he only asked for the registration mm-hmm is Ron Perlman, the inimitable Ron Perlman. And she has a line that's a little unkind. When he first gets out of his car, she says, look, it's Sasquatch. Yes, he's uh, a very tall man. He's a he's six foot one. He is almost as wide as he is tall. He's just a big... Is he really only six foot one? Yeah, he's a big guy. And, and um, what, what people need to understand, for me coming to this, and uh, really any Ron Perlman... Uh, vehicle mm-hmm. is that is Vincent. <laughs> I know Ron well, Perlman first, foremost, and always right. as the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> the television show with Linda Hamilton. If y'all have not seen it, do yourself a favor. Ron Perlman is very handsome in that show. He's a cat. He's cat man. <laughs> he's cat man. He is well, the best looking he's ever been. I'm sorry, he's right. not. Okay, so he's not a good... particularly he's not a All right. <laughs> generically handsome man. He, he wears appliances very well. He's a very interesting person that he has a really strange face. And that's I'm sure that he would be the first one to admit it. He is the definition done him well. The definition of a lantern jawed yes. face and a and a encroaching brow. Yes. This suited him really well because the first part I remember him... Was he a cave person? ...was a Neanderthal in Quest for Fire. In Quest for Fire, yes. Immediately followed by a hunchback kind of Neanderthal in uh, Name of the Rose. Okay. And so he was the makeup guy. And so when he yes. was hired to... He and Rick Baker, yes, also in Name of the Rose, uh, got together and created this Vincent character and made him this very noble-looking character. He was beautiful, right? Like the character, the the character design yeah. for Beauty and the Beast, that television show, yes. was spectacular. Well, because uh, Rick Baker started with about the most noble animal he could think of. He started with a lion and worked his way backwards. And how yes. do you do that to a human face? So um, he's an amazing actor. He is a physical specimen. If you've ever seen the City, I'm sure. of, City of Lost Children, where he plays a circus strongman, and or okay. he plays a biker in that um, Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy was, which uh, is a show that I've never watched, but I'm sure that I would he enjoy. He was playing Hellboy into his 60s. Yes. So he's like yes. a, he is an amazing person, but he also is he is like the last person you'd want to see come out no, of a cop yep, car. Nope. This is bad news, y'all. Right. And he's not damaged yet. He doesn't yes. appear. He doesn't. He's damaged. Physically yet. not damaged yet, but there's obviously something going on. There's something going. Because he he's seems gotta... to be speaking mostly in non sequiturs, and he has a like a weird. Well, right at the beginning, when he pulls uh, him over, until he's in, until they're in the cop car, uh, he's fine. He well, doesn't. He, he have does have any... the weird Tourette's tack. Yes. I was going to say he has a tick, but he actually has a tack. He has a tack. He has a tick tack. Tick. Tactic. 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 <laughs> He's got a tactic. Um, he pulls them over. He gets the registration. Now the the the, the two white drivers are uh, utterly terrible at this. There uh-huh. and they, nothing. I mean, when he pulls alongside them, Eddie Thomas gives him this little wave, and it's like, well, you can't anything right. that you do. 
is going to make you look guilty. Because right. this is a weird situation. You're going to act weird. Right. Uh, it is their, it is his sister's car. Car. That mm-hmm. they are driving across country. She has moved across country and they are driving across country for her. So the registration names don't match. And she has recently gotten divorced. So her last name is not his last name, mm-hmm. even though they are siblings. He uh, he has uh, Henry Thomas get out of the car. They look, and the uh, the license plate has been removed from their vehicle. He she, he says it's fallen off, and and Ron Perlman says, no, no, no. If you stop for gas back there, they have got some light fingered uh, people. Mm-hmm. It's probably hanging in their clubhouse now. There's a couple of things with it. And then Annabeth Gish is like, well, if you know about this, how come it's still going on? Like, she gets real Karen. She gets real white lady. I need to talk to your manager for a second. And I'm like, I don't know who you think you're talking to right now. <laughs> but um, when she was a white, I was like, a second ago, you were like, oh, geez, a cop. And now you're like, um, I pay your salary. So <laughs> it's just, it was a wild change for just a second. If If people are stealing license plates, they're not hanging them on... Um, clubhouses. They are swapping them out on stolen cars. This that again is what they seems are doing. To be, and we, we've said <laughs> and this, I am not a criminal mastermind, but that is... We've said this, though, when we get to uh, some of Stephen King's writing, is that I, I don't want to say that it's dated, but that seems like the kids in Stand By Me would steal your yeah. license plate and put it Maybe. in their clubhouse. Maybe that's right. Uh, the people <laughs> who are stealing from... They're, they're not going to do that. They're, no. they're using it for a criminal enterprise. Yes. So I think that sometimes... But I just was like, that's hilarious. As we've seen before... <laughs> it's he, so cute and quaint. Right, it's very quaint. And I, I um, maybe that was part of the character. Maybe that was it. I don't know how lonely... Well, I've been to beautiful desert spaces not too long ago. I don't know that... And maybe that would be amusing because there's literally miles of nothing. No, miles of nothing. Miles so of nothing. maybe with my, you know... When it says last chance for gas, it's not fucking around. Right. <laughs> you don't have a full tank. <laughs> you are out there with scorpions tank. and tarantulas, yeah. which they are in this They will well. make an appearance. Mm-hmm. So they... I don't remember why they open the trunk. The... Open the trunk because the what um Collie, is that his name? His oh yes, the, the and that's the other thing that's wild about this movie. The sheriff's name is Collie and Trajan. Okay, so Collie suggests getting the license plate and moving it to the front of the uh, from the front of the car to from the, the back. From the front of the car to the or from the yes, from the front of the car to the um, back. Because most states mm-hmm. actually only require a back license plate. Right. California requires both, but I think only like eight states require one on the front. So they're driving from California, so they've Mm -hmm. got two license plates. So what he wants to do is... So he's like, I think mm -hmm. I've got a toolkit in the back. That's right. That's what it is. This happens twice in the film, that we find marijuana on people. Yeah. And the first thing you saw was, why is that smiley face there? Well, no. Oddly, this is the first suggestion to me that there's something supernatural going on. Right. Because there is a smiley face on the keychain of... Of uh, Mr. Billingsley, I guess that was Henry Thomas. No, no, not Billingsley. Jackson. Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, right. Remember, because he goes he on the whole thing. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, on the keychain of his car, and then we see a smiley face on the uh, bag of marijuana. Yeah. These enormous bags of marijuana. These that he's, wildly... Right, the size of your head. Disproportionate uh, bags. Yes, I mean... It, selling. Marijuana for selling, not right. marijuana for doing. That is, yes. what, that is what is... So, and then he's like... 
they immediately are like, your sister is such a, sh- like, a <laughs> fuck mm-hmm. up, and that's not our dope, which is... Mm-hmm. Which is what everyone dope, who has dope has Accurate, it. yes. And so he arrests them. Everyone says that. These are not my pants. Now, that, that marijuana inf- also was inside of that trunk when the trunk was opened, mm-hmm. because we... The, it is shot from within the trunk yes. where you can see the camera is sitting with the that smiley face mm-hmm. bag in sight as soon as the Which thing is, again, opens. to me, was the first suggestion that something unusual was going unusual on. The bag right just appears, appears. Because right. in both this case and later on, he's accused, Kali, of planting the bag, but we know that he didn't plant either of them. Well, he... He opened up the saddlebag and there it was. And I no, think, the saddlebag was already open, though. No, 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 no. He opened up the flap of the saddlebag. I don't mean that he unlocked it. And I think that what happens is that, as we later on learn, there is a supernatural agency working here to get I, rid of people. So I, I think that's a I part of it. I think it is explicitly indicated that he plants the bag the second time. But I don't think I he think plants it's planted, it but I don't think it's by him. But okay, you know, I think he plants, but that's fine. We'll get there. We're mm-hmm. not there yet. We're, we've got to go faster though, because this is wild. Mm-hmm. What, how long we're taking? This is a five-minute scene. So they're they're put in the in the cop car and they're driven now to desperation. That is the name of the town that this mm-hmm. man is the sheriff of, and he, we we get a closer up on his face, and as he's driving, he's got these sores around his mouth, mm-hmm. and this is the first time we've been able to see that. I don't know if they weren't there before. No, they weren't there before. Or because we've we, seen a lot yeah. of close-ups of his face, and he is. Um, he reads them their Miranda rights, but in the middle of them, he slips in lines like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then he demands that they say that they understand their rights. Like, mm-hmm. he asks, do you understand? And then he yells, do you understand? And they're, like, freaking out, and they're sitting in the back, and they're like, oh, God, we're going to die. Uh, and they uh, get out of the police car, and they are uh, escorted. And as as they're driving through the town, there are bodies Everywhere. Now, the mm-hmm. first thing that we actually see is a dead body. Mm-hmm. It's a cat body. Dead cat body. And we should warn people that it's there's a, a cat crucified on the sign outside. That is the, the very first image, image of right. the of the movie. And it really sets up, if you don't want to watch animals be killed, this is not the movie this, for you. Yes. Like, it is, it does at least put that trigger warning right up there. Mm-hmm. So if, if you see that and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to watch a movie with that in it, mm-hmm. it's only going to get worse. <laughs> so they do a kind of a nice little, I saw a meme of a pit bull, of the, uh, not a pit bull, pit bull the rapper. Mm-hmm. And it was like, nice guy Pitbull announces himself at the beginning of the song so you can change it <laughs> or you can turn it off. It's that kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like, look, we're, we're, the first thing you see is a dead animal. If you, are, if you don't want that, yes, get out. Dead now. animals, dead children, uh, yes. dead minors. And so there are, dead, there's a, there's yes. dead um, men on the street mm-hmm. laying on the ground just, and they seem to have been dead for some time. Mm-hmm. They... Uh, there's a weird, yeah, Peter Jackson, I love the Lord of the Rings, non sequitur. He's getting more and more sort of scattered as mm-hmm. he's leading them down the street. They go into the police station where there's a dead child on the ground. At which point, they both freak out, and then uh, the sheriff, uh, Mr. Ron Perlman, fires his gun into the gut of Henry Thomas three times, killing him. So he's not in this movie anymore. Uh, also, I don't know where his body goes. There's a lot of weird uh, continuity errors in this film. There are a lot of continuity and errors And now in this that film. I know that 
maybe it was cut down in length to fit a different time slot. Yeah, that, that makes sense. could account for why. A lot of it, yeah. Because, so he mm-hmm. is he is killed at the bottom of the stairs, right next to where the little girl is mm-hmm. killed. The next time we see anybody on those stairs, that little girl is still there, but the yeah. but Henry Thomas is gone. I'm just realizing that now. So I don't mm-hmm. know where his body goes. <laughs> Wolves got it, probably. Uh, and then Annabeth Gish brought upstairs and is thrown in a cell. And this is where we meet sort of the rest of our characters, well, several of the rest of our characters. Mm-hmm. She's put in a cell with David Carver. He's the young boy. He's also the mouthpiece of God. He is our little... Prey boy. Yes. They call him a prey boy, which nobody. No, they don't call him a prey boy. Tech calls him a prey boy. That's they, because oh, also well, the collective they. His I mom suppose. ends up calling him that as well. Uh, his parents, they are they also there. That's Ralph and Ellen. Uh, Ralph is played by Matt Frewer. Max Headroom. Ellen is played by a woman I don't recognize. I don't know her. Sammy Han- Hanratty. Hanratty is that yes. her? Yes, and they're gonna mess up her pretty face before the end of the film. Yes. Then there's an old man whose uh, name is Tom Billingsley in the movie. He's played by... Charles Durning. Charles Durning. Recently passed, I believe, Charles mm-hmm. Durning. Uh, that's all that's up there now. And and she's mm-hmm. like, he killed my husband. And there, and the mother and father say, he killed our daughter. Pie. Okay. The daughter is named Pi. Now, in the book, the daughter's named Kirsten and called Pi. In mm-hmm. this movie, for all intents and purposes, this her little girl's is God-given name is Pi. Oh, it's all the Maybe her dad was a mathematician. Pi like... No, 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 no. I know. P-I-E like the food. Yes. Stop naming your children after food. No, no. This is uh, this I'm is talking something. to you, Gwen Spelcher. There's a, there's a character in Adam Green Gables, Josie Pi. And she just gets called pie after a while. And so I, I was familiar with that. That's a real... Um, is that what it is? It's a, re- it's a reference to Anne of Green Gables? I don't know I'm that it's a reference to Anne of Green Gables. I know that it was a, a thing back in the day, you know. <laughs> also yeah. a term of endearment for some reason. But um, So let's yeah. meet the rest of our characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty boy. We've got... <laughs> no, we've got St- no, no, no. Outside of... We've yeah. already talked about everybody in the, tr- in the, right. in the tr- jail. We're going to go back outside. Okay. So he leaves them there and, and just goes off about his 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 nasty business. Mm. And we see Steve Ames. Steve Ames is a truck driver, and he picks up a young lady. Her name is Cynthia, female hitchhiker. Uh, the kind of female hitchhiker who exists in the movies. Only in the movies. <laughs> young and she pretty is, and stylish. and She is... She's like the tough version of a manic pixie dream girl. She is... One of those mm. sort of um, only a few, um, only a woman character in a film is like this. No mm. human ladies are like this. Well, <laughs> she admits to being a recovering addict, or at least a recovering. I didn't even. When she says that, you know, what was her comment? And some of the, the lines are very cleverly written when a bunch of people are taking meth. Uh, God, I forget exactly how it went. It was like the idea was that. She was getting old ahead of her time because she was hanging out with a bunch of... Um, methods? Methods. No, that's funny for a, a, a woman who is... That actress is not a day over 23. Right. And I, I don't know exactly what... <laughs> and she's probably 20. not even that But old. this was like the college drug experimentation thing. And if you call yourself a writer's group, you can get away with it. But, you know, 
Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, you're maybe. just living so in a crack house. <laughs> we don't know anything about her other than mm-hmm. she's on the road. She's got a Bob Dylan T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Weber is our is our truck driver. Mm-hmm. We re- we remember him from The Shining more, most recently in this series. You don't like him. You said, "Oh no, that guy." I love Stephen Weber, so I was offended by that statement. <laughs> uh, you don't know. Maybe I was talking about Bob Dylan, huh? On her shirt, huh? No, because it. It wasn't, no, it was his face that you said that about. And um, they have a rapport. She takes no shit from him. He's looking at her shirts. She's like, she thinks he's looking at her chest. And he's like, no, 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 I work for Bob Dylan. And then we find out that he And his response is kind of cute, too. It's like, don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Well, he's also like, he has a... I think the, the the setup in a film is these two are going to hook up at some mm-hmm. point. But I think Steven Weber really does play this in a, I am too old for this girl. He does until he doesn't. But then the way that he doesn't seems right. Like, right. they've been but through it now. But he's not and checking her out. Right. He's literally like, because he's probably. And he's an interesting character, in, too. Upper, upper, mid to upper 30s. He's, inter- he's at least 10 right. years older than her. He's an interesting character in this film because he plays a guy who. Okay. Let me just say what he's doing, and then right. you can right. tell us about his character. So he is, he was a bit of a roadie who guitar tech a sound person mm-hmm. for musicians. Now he is following a writer who is doing a cross-country motorcycle ride wherein he is stopping and doing book signings on the way. Uh, and this guy is carrying that that writer's, you know, yeah. anything that doesn't fit in basically a saddlebag on a motorcycle. Um and he follows behind him on the road, catches up with him when he stops, does his sounds, does his tours, and then eats a meal with him if he wants somebody to talk to. Not with, to. And he should have said at, but that's so fine. So I think that what, and we learned this is Tom Skerritt. Yes. Who, is a great, who gives a great performance of this guy. Um, I'm sure that Stephen King knows this guy. It's got to be Tim O'Brien. Okay, I can see that. Who wrote the, the Things They Carried, a seminal book about Vietnam. So he is playing, you know, the Vietnam, his history was made there, and he's touring the country during this yes. weird sort of uh, riding across America, and it's, it's very fake, because obviously he's not riding across America when he has a guy picking up his, his sound equipment behind well, him. Well, he is riding across America. He's doing more than Bear Grylls does in his... That's true, too. You know, his TV mm-hmm. show. But he's, he's riding a motorcycle across the country with the support that you need to ride a motorcycle across the country. Well, it's not an easy thing to do. And you, certainly when you're rich, you don't need to slum it the way that... Mm-hmm. And, and put all, everything that you own in the saddlebag. Like, I don't... What I liked about Stephen Weber's character is he reminded me of an old joke and a short joke, which is the guy who's complained to his friend about sweeping up after the elephant. And his friend says, well, why don't you stop doing that? And his response is, what? And quit my career in show business. Right, yes. <laughs> so this, that was when I saw Stephen Weber's character, the way he played out, which I really do like in this film. Uh, yeah, no, he was He was that guy. It's like, I'm still in show business, but right, I'm the guy. But also, he doesn't, he doesn't want a job that is, that has any semblance of responsibility. No, he doesn't. Or... He does. He sort of resents the fact that he's here taking care of this guy who, and they did 
mentioned the age difference between the man and woman in the truck because yeah. do you remember so and so and she's oh, never yeah. heard of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So th they're not but ignoring. She does know. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, I saw him on a. On a right. So they're not ignoring the fact that there's a. Uh, an age difference between mm -hmm. the two of them. I think this and is... And I think he, Stephen Weber is very right. much playing that. He is playing right. almost like, I'll look after this, like uh, like a kid's sister. Mm. Not quite a daughter age, but like... No, 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 no. But certainly not like, oh, if I play my cards right, I can definitely bone well, her. The, like, the, he doesn't is... feel like that. I re... She is wary of that with everybody because she's a woman who's hitchhiking mm. in the middle of nowhere. So she has to be. But he is playing it very much like... To me, this was the better version of the couple in um, The Fog, where it's Tom Atkins, who we remember from Halloween 3, this older guy who is irresistible to I have literally to no recollection of what you're And he picks about up Jamie Lee Curtis in his truck, and by the end of the, the night, they're sleeping together. Oh. And yeah. it just felt like, here's a man in his 40s, and here's a woman in her 20s. Yeah. Here, this felt a lot more like they have a reason. They're closer in age. Well, they are closer in age. But also, like like I said, mm -hmm. I, he, he doesn't, he he's not, not out to get her. There's no designs on his right. front uh, to start with, mm -hmm. which I appreciated. And, it was, and he was playing that. Like, that... Right. I don't think it was written one way or another in the script. Mm -hmm. I think it was all in the acting, and I think Stephen Weber very much plays a jovial... Mm -hmm. And he, like, he ribs her a little because she ribs him a little, mm -hmm. and they're, like, playful together, oh, no, I but liked, it's not gross. I, it's I don't not, know who this actress is. I liked the chemistry that she had with yes, him. Yes, They yeah. have a good one. And so when it does become romantic later on, I'm okay with it because they've kind of laid the groundwork for that. It's not just Yeah, but suddenly. it also becomes romantic in the same way that, like, speed becomes romantic, where it's yeah. like, well, we might die, so let's well, make out a little. Well, we have to discuss that, too, because there is a rock involved, and we'll have to address that very strange scene later on. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think that... The, you think that they slept together. I don't think that they slept together. What, the rock? The two of those those two characters. I, I don't, don't say they slept, slept together. together during the course of the story. They didn't hook up. Oh, you literally said that when we were sitting on the couch. You're like, I think they slept. No, together. no, no, no. That's not what I meant. But we'll discuss that oh, when we get to the uh, scene. You meant like they will eventually. Because hey, spoiler alert: these two are the only are the only two people that enter the story together that exit the story right. together. And Every other couple or no, I didn't mean family member there, is torn asunder. And we'll discuss it later. But there's a scene involving a rock. Yes, I understand that gives the impression that they were intimate in a weird way, but... Yes, intimate, absolutely. Slept yes. together, no. Yes, I, yes, that is right. So so these two are following Tom Skerritt's character, and then we go to Tom Skerritt's character, and that's the mm -hmm. first time we know it's Tom Skerritt, although right. we've seen his name, so we figured that's probably who it's going to be. And he has pulled over his motorcycle and is pissing against the cactus, and when it pulls back out, uh, the the cop is pulled behind his his mm -hmm. motorcycle and it's just standing there and it is a well shot little mm -hmm. thing because I I knew it was when we pulled back that's what we were gonna see right. but it was silent like you didn't hear him come up and it was jarring when he turns around and there's just a cop and a cop car just standing there next to his bike and he says stop you know stopping your vehicle on a freeway is illegal and and Pissing in public is illegal. And Tom Scared has the right... I mean, he's got a fucking very much a, a, a rich white man's attitude, but mm. he's also not wrong. He's like, well, I don't see a crowd forming, so mm. I figured it was fine. Also, it is not safe to continue to drive when you are in physical distress. Like, mm. legally, Tom Scared is actually in the right. right. <laughs> so I was like, let's fight. So 
he comes over and, oh, no, you've got to really uh, tie up your saddlebag because mm-hmm. if this gets caught in your wheels, you're going to die. No, up until this point, Holly is going on about what a fan he is. Yeah, he uh, does work. He's like, oh, my God, are you this person? He kind of geeks and, out for yeah. a second. And I don't know if that's Kali. Well, no, Kali's not really left anymore. No, it's, I think it is Kali because there's no way that this being that's... Mm-hmm taking over his body would know who this writer is. Well, unless uh, the extent, again, I would have liked to have known the extent to which he can get his memories and things. I don't know. We've just seen The Outsider where it kind of steals your your past memories. I think he's still in there and he's being piloted when he needs to be piloted because he still knows the laws. He knows English. He's still, you know what I mean? He's still in, he's still in the construct of this sheriff of this small town. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, that that at least is still there. And my guess is that this dude, even if he's not a big fan, mm-hmm. he knows who this is right. and then is making. So, so and he goes, oh, well, I always, I always check the saddlebags. It's the thing I do right before I get on the bike. And, of course, he opens the flap and the, uh, the, the drugs are in there. And then he gets arrested. Well, he gets beat up. He gets beat the hell up. I mean, this guy he just gets wails Tom on him. Scared is mm-hmm. beaten up by Ron Perlman, which it was unfair. <laughs> Ron Perlman is like three Tom Scarrets. <laughs> Actually, he's as I yeah. said, he's a big guy. And um, he's thrown in the back of the police car, and the uh, the cop pulls his bike, rides his bike mm. over off of the road and into the brush and covers it with, I think, one branch. It's mm. what it ends up looking like. And meanwhile, uh, Tom Scarrett has a flip phone in his back pocket. Y'all, it's 2006. Love a flip phone. No service. So he's moving around the various parts of the back seat of this car trying to get some service and call Steve, who is following behind him. He gets through... Steve and Weber playing Steve, Steve playing Steve, says the word boss mm-hmm. 30 times in this scene. It's it's why I'm just like, what are we, why is this the thing that he keeps saying? Uh, he's It's breaking up, but he hears RV, he hears one mile, he hears arrested, I think, is or cop, I think, is what ends up coming through. So, and then he is cut off. And and is driven away down to the town. And then we have Steve and Cynthia come upon the RV, at which point they pull out and they see all of the tires are slashed. And both of them are smart. Like, both of them mm-hmm. are observant and recognize that yeah. some shit isn't right. Like, she's like, this is somebody's favorite doll because look at the dress has been patched. Like, mm-hmm. you don't patch the dress Unless the, the, the kid can't get rid right. of it, but why mm. is it just laying here? And she's like, and he's like, yeah. And why are all four of the tires flat? Not one or two, mm-hmm. the way that would happen naturally, right. but all four of the tires are flat. And uh, so they're both like pretty observant, which I thought was interesting. And then he is walking. He decide. He says, "Well, he says he's about a mile down, so I'm gonna walk. You drive the truck, and I'm gonna walk to see what I can see." Mm-hmm. So they're just moving very slowly, and they do come across his motorcycle. It's off the road, but because mm-hmm. they're moving slowly, and they can see a glint in the desert, uh, and then they decide to continue on to find out what what's happening, but carefully because they're like nervous. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we're back at the 
he he gets brought in to the police station, and we've learned that little David. Now this is um, Tom Skerritt's character. Tom Skerritt's character, okay. but we've in the meantime we've learned that little David, um, he's praying. And his parents are like, what is that? Well, his mom like, is like, what is that? His dad like, is cool. But. Like, they've never seen... Pr- I'm like, I don't pray, but I recognize when you get on your hands and knees and you put your hands together and you put your hands on your hands, or your head on your hands, in what might be called a prayer motion, that you are probably praying. I, I was like, bitch, where you been? <laughs> and she's, she's like fully offended by it. But apparently... I, oh, because... What God would allow your sister to have been murdered. So they're still dealing with the death of their daughter, who's at the bottom of the stairs, if you'll recall. And um, he's like, my friend was in an accident, and I prayed to say that I would do whatever God (laughs) wanted to do. This scene is very striking. The kid flies. 50 feet off of his bicycle. And his head appears to pop like a grape against the and wall. And it hits the wall. There's like a blood splatter there. It's and then loud. the kid runs up, pray boy, runs up yes. to see the kid. And his helmet just splits in half as he picks him up. It's really, it's a lot. And then so over the top. his friend Brian recovers and it's, uh, the doctors say it's quote unquote miraculous. Uh-huh. And now David feels like he has now sold his soul to God. And will now do whatever God wants. <laughs> Which, as soul, selling your soul to someone, that's probably a better option than the alternative. Well, to be fair, he asked for help, and whoever answered, he's going to now... Well, but he directed his, his prayer. He didn't say whoever answered. He's just yeah, said, but who, how God. do you know? How do you know? I, because you I know? saw the scene. That's what it said. So he no, is, no, no, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, if something like that, if you ask the universe for help, mm-hmm. if you even if you say God and and something miraculous happens, then you're and then you're like, now I'll do whatever you want. Right. That seems like a real invitation to bad actors to sta- step in between you, you and a, God and be like, let me take care of this quote unquote miracle. As a person <laughs> who grew up in the church, you know how many conversion stories I've heard started with God. If you're really out there, I'll yeah, do anything I'll you do want. Anything, and that's how you wind up having really bad members of your church. Because yeah, it's because like it's I owe a, him a favor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I owe him a favor. Like, which is no, weird. that's not how it works. But um, anyhow, and then we Ron Perlman is uh, deteriorating. He's got big um, seams in his face. Seams, yes, that's a good way of uh, his face. And he says, "I'm going to take." This lady, and this mm-hmm. lady is the mom, mm-hmm. Ellen, I believe her name is. And uh, I'm leaving this dog behind to watch you. Now, there's this whole thing where he keeps saying, I'm a wolf. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a lot of speaking in another language. It's not, a, it's not an actual language. Like it's made up. And I wish that Stephen King had hired a linguist because it is not a believable language. And I guess I'm spoiled by Tolkien. Like, I guess I'm spoiled by... Mm -hmm. If you're going to make up a language... Hi, there are linguistics. <laughs> literally, every time I hear Tolkien, it's like, why are they all speaking Welsh? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Mm. I know it's not but Welsh. But he made full-on oh, yes. languages that mm. would be languages, and there are linguists, li- linguists, yes, cunning right. linguists, linguists who specifically make up Dothraki, 
right. is a made up language that was actually made Klingon. up. Klingon is a made up like there are people who do this for a living. Mm-hmm. You have the capability to hire these people. I know you have the money. There were more than five people. or six lines that he kept repeating over and over again. That is my problem with it. And and so I don't know. And, and it, every word is a yeah. single syllable and I in think this thing, and I it just. It falls apart for me. As it, a it musician, work. he was looking for the rhythm of it, not necessarily the fact that it would sound like it made any sense, um, because it's Stephen King is. So I, I don't. Yeah, yes, it, it just was, it it right, doesn't very strange work. Um, so he takes the he leaves this dog behind, and he takes Ellen out to the quarry. Now there's mines. This mine it's mm-hmm. a mining town. And there's this big hole in the earth. At this point, uh, David sees a, a ghost of his sister. Hi. Who has given him soap. And he strips down and lathers up and decides he's going to slink through the bars. Even though there's a dog standing right there. And he says, you know, close his jaws the way you close Daniel's, or the lion's jaws when Daniel wants to He says to God, them. yes. Please. And uh, then he starts sneaking out, and Charles Durning's character basically gets the dog's attention and starts playing. They all get the dog's attention the, the, yeah. with the coat with the jacket. Tom Skerritt's character. Oh, is it Tom Skerritt? Yeah, because he was I wearing was leather jacket. Man. Okay. So they're all like baiting the dog to come there while this, and that seems also painful to watch because you see him like really scrape up his yes. ears. <laughs> he gets all the way through except his head, and then his ears have to come through, and it like takes a while, and I'm just like, oh. Um, meanwhile, this dog is fighting this mm-hmm. this other guy, just playing tug of war. He 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 gets he manages to squeeze himself out, and mm-hmm. then he runs out the door and closes the door behind him. And he goes downstairs, which is where we see Pi's body again, and, mm-hmm. and we don't covers see her with a, a blanket, and right. we don't see Henry Thomas's mm-hmm. body, so we don't know where he went. And then he comes back upstairs, and he has a gun, and he says, "I'm going to open the door and I'm going to shoot the dog." And he does do that. <laughs> There's a whole back and forth with, remember to aim up, and mm-hmm. the dog pounces, and then they're both quiet for a minute, and you think that maybe he died, but he didn't die. He's like, it twitched, and it was terrible. So yeah, this kid's going to need some therapy at the end of this, if he survives. Spoiler alert, of course he does. He is our prophet. Of course he survives. Uh, then, let's see... We see Ellen and the sheriff, who is further and further gone, tack, 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 and he's talking nonsense, and she's freaked out, and but we, and then we go back, and they've, the, David unlocks all of the the bars mm-hmm. and lets everybody out. There's a very long hugging scene between him and his father. I'm like, time and a place, y'all. Y'all need to get out of this building. What are you doing? They go downstairs. There are dogs, wild dogs everywhere lined up and um, crows. And now mm-hmm. they end up going out and they, they're they able to sort of meet up, right? They Steve I'm, I'm and Cynthia funny. show up and they kind of meet up with the survivors. Yes, they do. And then the old man, who's the only local, Charles Durning's character, is the only local, says, let's go to the, I, I know a place we can go. And he takes them to the old theater that's been shut down. This is a beautiful old theater. It is. 
uh, they go in, they turn the lights on, they've, they've bought it, um, he and a bunch of other uh, people, a couple of other people in the town have bought this, and mm-hmm. basically you said it's like a clubhouse. They're mm-hmm. like, we got tired of sitting at home and seeing this empty, so we bought it, mm-hmm. and now they have got, you know, couches out on the stage, mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a mini fridge, there's food. There's a lot of alcohol. Oh, there's a bunch of alcohol. The, the discerning character, Charles Zerning's, uh discerning um, characteristic is that he's an alcoholic. Yeah. And Tom Skerritt is warning him off the alcohol. Yeah. And being kind of controlling of him. Which well, is he's irritating. like, trust me, I know this only leads to a bad place and mm-hmm. you're not going to do that. Yeah, he really is. He does act like the boss of him. And I actually said that. I was like, I'm a grown man. You don't mm-hmm. get to fucking tell me what I do and don't do. So then they all sit around and they're talking, and this is where we get sort of some the of the story, backstory. Some of the backstory. Uh, now, David is like, uh, I think he's possessed. He thinks Kali is possessed. He thinks Kali is possessed. And Trajan. And Trajan? Mm-hmm. And Trajan. That's why he's saying talk, 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 talk. And then they're talking about the history of this town. There's all these China, Chinese miners. Mm-hmm. Charles Durning's character has the gall to say, you know, they were treated poorly in California, but here they were... Almost members of the community. You say damn near part of the community? Damn near part of the community is not part of the community. And we find out that this is not true (laughs) later on. And then, yes, we do find out that it's Uh not true. So he's saying that there was this... Massive mine collapse, mm-hmm. and only two of the Chinese uh, miners made it out. And immediately, is it? I think it's Stephen Weber's character that was like, mm-hmm. uh, it was Stephen Weber or Tom Scarrett's character who was like, and the town didn't blame those two people right. because it's my experience that the best people to blame are people who don't speak English. Right. Um, and they're like, no, they must have. They they just left. I don't know what happened to them after <laughs> that. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, we know this story in California. <laughs> yes. And then we end up, I'll just skip. So that is the story that is told. Mm-hmm. This is, that is the story of the mine. And then David puts his face in a, now this is well, it looks like, like a Nickelodeon. There's two things going on at the same time, we yeah. should say, because at that point, the old man goes in to get a snort from the bathroom where he hides a bottle. Right. And he's attacked by a mountain lion. Right. I don't so, want to, yeah, but I just want to say what the actual story is. No, I know, is. but like, we should say that they're separate. There's a reason why David's by himself, because the ghost is drawing him to it. Oh, yeah, okay. But I just want to say what we find out right. is that... Okay. Of course, these Chinese people were treated terribly. They were, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like... At gunpoint. They were was, working gunpoint. It was like Egyptian mm-hmm. uh, slaves, mm-hmm. right? Like it, that kind of lab- forced labor with, you know, whips mm-hmm. and the whole nine yards, right? As these people are being called yellow monkeys. It's fucking mm-hmm. terrible. Um, in, in, down in this mine, they break through a wall and they see... Something. It's glowing. It's in a sepia, like this old-timey sepia footage, mm-hmm. and it's all glowing. And then these two wisps come out and go into the faces of these two miners, who then kill everyone. They just he, they're they've got pickaxes, mm-hmm. and they decide to stop using them on the walls and start using them on the guards. And there's a riot and an explosion. And everyone down there dies except these two mm-hmm. who are possessed by something. They have it's some sort of sp- earth spirits, maybe mm-hmm. they say. 
which I had originally, like, I think the name that Charles Durning actually uses in the original story is, uh, like, a, his take on the Chinese word mm-hmm. for Earth Spirits. Okay. They don't go straight to Native American, which would have been, mm-hmm. like, um, geographically appropriate. appropriate right. But that talk is this Earth demon. Mm-hmm. And... W- we see in the in the sepia actual history, the terrible history mm-hmm. that was, that these two men are put onto a scaffold and are going to be hanged. Of course, mm-hmm. they're blamed for this mine accident. As Tom Scared or Stephen Weber had said, this mm-hmm. is probably what happened. And they, the spirits come out of them and start attacking the rest of the people in the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when David can't can't look anymore. Because he's looking uh, again into, I uh, I forget what they call them. It's a sort of a viewer. You put your face to a sort of metal mask, and you're watching a film being played. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, while that's happening, he's all by himself because everybody else is um, fighting off a mountain lion that has not too well either. They're 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 not doing a great job. Yeah. The so yeah, Charles Sterling's gone to take a nip from the bathroom, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden. Uh, a a giant cat jumps through the window. Uh, it's a mountain lion, which we've seen prowling. We mm-hmm. knew it was coming. Because the thought is that if this is an earth spirit, that all of these animals are its eyes and ears. Right? So it mm-hmm. knows what's up. And uh, the mountain lion drives through the window, attacks Charles Durning. They all burst in. They hear a noise and they burst in with guns in their hands but not held up. So it takes them a minute to like adjust, and, it takes and then he's like, minute, "I don't yeah. want to shoot the old man." And then Stephen Weber ends up shooting the the rear of the tiger or mm. the mountain lion, which then turns and attacks him. And then the then I think Tom Skerritt shoots yeah. it and kills it. But Charles Durning is pretty far past gone. They all go to um, sort of s- scatter and separate a little bit, and well, they go looking for David. And oh, that is that what it is? oh yeah, where's alone. my kid? Where's my kid? And then, except Mary, uh-huh. Annabeth Gish stays behind with Charles Durning and watches him die. Uh-huh. And then hears a voice outside because Ellen has come back. Ellen, mm. the mom, who is now Tack, she's got weird face now. She's got tears open on her face. So the and she when she talks, she sounds like Ron Perlman mm. and her. Like the, it's a right. double voice. So Ron Perlman is done now. He is gone. His body has disintegrated, and now this being is in this blonde woman who goes back to the sheriff's station, finds them all gone, says, Mm -hmm. tell me where they went, and all of these spiders go to this picture of this theater. So she goes to the theater, because the spiders are the eyes and ears, remember, Mm -hmm. and apparently have some sort of hive mind. (laughs) Uh, She goes to the theater calls out to Mary. Mary goes up to the window and gets pulled out the window and dragged down the street. And then she is dragged off and wakes up in a shed surrounded by snakes and spiders, snakes and spiders, but then realizes they can't hurt her. Because they're just babysitting her. Mm -hmm. Because she's the next body. Because she punched Ellen and a piece of Ellen flew off. And and it's like, well, the one downside with these bodies is that they decompose so fast. Because apparently now we find that it seems like it's killing this body and then Mm -hmm. animating it, which didn't seem to be the case before, but feels like the case now. Like, 
the collie body, the sheriff body, seemed to have the sheriff and this being in it. The Ellen body seems to just be this being. Right. Doesn't seem to have any recollection of... Well, she also doesn't get to interact with people as much, so That's true. maybe... So maybe we don't know. We don't know, right. Uh, but she, yeah, it's full... And her body falls apart very quickly, because there's a chase scene, uh, Annabeth Gish's character escapes with the help of Josie. Yeah. And not only is the punching the the, the, the uh, creature in the face make its cheek come off, so we yes. just... You, when uh, Annabeth Kish is driving away, its arm comes off. Its arm comes off. So yeah. she's just so it ends. Up, she mm-hmm. ends up. Yeah, she she like moves the snakes and the spiders because mm-hmm. she realizes they're not going to attack her. Right. So she is able to. Oh, and then she also sees Pi because right. Pi Pi keeps appearing in ghost form. She is God mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, look at the dryer. And then there's a dryer vent that goes to just a. A big hole in the wall cut out. Mm-hmm. So she climbs out through that wall. Ellen comes in and sees her. And she's like, oh, fucking. She runs to the police car and is able to get into the police car. Has a little fight with Ellen. But mm-hmm. so unsurprisingly, a decomposing body does not uh, win against a vehicle. <laughs> so <laughs> she, and she, of course, she left the keys in the ignition because she's stuck. If, if Tak hadn't left the keys in the ignition, mm-hmm. Annabeth Gish would have been out of luck. But... She's able to get free. Meanwhile, Ellen's body is dying. Oh, no. And so she blows the spirit of the into a bird, like a buzzard bird. And the bird falls. Then we have this flashback, this uh, Tom Skerritt flashback. He's supposed to be this hero that was, he was a journalist, he was embedded in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. he was supposed to be a hero. But then we see this flashback wherein he sees a man in a bathroom in a club in uh, Saigon. Right. Uh, he goes into the bathroom of the bar and sees this guy who he thinks was at that point possessed by Tak because mm-hmm. it says Tak something something. Right. And then it also speaks in Vietnamese, which our thing translated or said as speaking in Chinese. I'm like, well, they're in Vietnam, so probably not. (laughs) Um, And he sees this guy setting up this bomb in this bathroom. And rather than yelling for everybody to get out of this bar or whatever, Mm -hmm. he just fucking takes off running. And mm. leaves everybody to die, right. including a, like a a GI that had just asked him for his signature, right. like because and he's strutting around like cock of the walk, right? Like right. I'm this famous person in Vietnam, and all these um, these soldiers look up to me and this that, and the other, and but he's really a pussy, and he runs. <laughs> um, and uh, eighty seven people died, and he still feels guilty about it. But David said, "You saw that." So that you would recognize it later, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna go to the cave. We're gonna get some explosives, and we're gonna go to the cave, and we're gonna blow up the cave where it came from. And uh, David says it comes from a place called the Well of the Worlds or something like that. Um, so David is ready to martyr himself because, like any good follower of of God, he's like, well, I uh, am going to die for everyone else. I'm going to do that. And they drive back 
So they, they they all get back together. So Mary is back, and she can lead them to the to the cave. She knows where it is, right? She's driven back from it. Tom Skerritt's going to go. David's going to go. David's dad, Matt Frewer, who has had very little to do in this whole movie, is going to go. Charles Durning has died, so it's Stephen Weber mm-hmm. and uh, Cynthia. So we've got that group of people. There are six. Yeah, that's right. There are six people going to the mine. Just when they almost get there, that buzzard that has pack in it flies into Matt Frewer and murders him. <laughs> kills Matt Frewer. Kills this poor... This child's father has, or sister has been killed. Mm-hmm. His mother has been, you know, dismantled. She's on the road on the way in. We saw her. So that's mm, fun. A little bit here, a little and bit there. And then he watches his dad att- attacked and killed by a, mm-hmm. a bird. <laughs> Um, so at this point, David's like, well, fuck it. I'm an orphan now. I'm just going to go in. Give me these explosives. I'm small. I'll go in. I'll, I'll blow it up and I'll kill. And that'll be fine. And of course, our, our, our Johnny Marinville, the author is like, no, 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 no. I need to make up for the fact that I let all those people die before. Talk about me like I'm a hero. Peace, and he runs away. He makes them. Uh, I think he had already had a conversation with Steve, and he's like, "So at some point, David's gonna freak out, and you're gonna have to hold on to him." <laughs> and this is when that is. So right. He says, "No, no, no! You're not gonna be the martyr. I'm gonna be the martyr." And then, of course, David freaks out, and Stephen Weber is like, "Zoink!" and holds him because he's small. He's a child. And a slippery good. child because he's still covered in soap. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a chance to shower. So, yeah, he now he's tacky to the touch. Well, uh, you look at his face, there's always, and I, I think they did a very good job with the makeup in this film, there's always a, like a little clot of blood and soap caked around his ears. Oh, all interesting. Through the rest That's of the really film. funny. So I'm glad that that was consistent, if not other things. Um, and then Johnny goes in, he finds the hole, he finds the pit. Mm-hmm. He says, are you down there? And there's like this hole in the earth that that ends with a, do- a donut. I said it looks like an asshole. <laughs> it looks like a butt. <laughs> it looks like a sphincter. You're like, it looks like a donut. I'm like, sphincter. It looks like a sphincter. Uh, it's talking in voices up to him, and he falls down the pit. But he's still okay, and he starts pouring gunpowder, I guess? Yeah, it's an explosive he got out of explosive And he's like, shed. you need to stop doing that, you need to stop doing that. And he says, Donald Rumsfeld says, I need to stop. Adam Sandler says, I need to stop. And Coulter says, I need to stop. And I'm just like, why those three people? Uh, just basically, I guess, listing people who, who whose advice you would not listen to. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's... I, I think that's, but Adam Sandler really got the short end of the stick. Right? I was just like, one of those like, things wow. is not like the others. Poor I don't guy. think he's a... Yeah, it was, it was very odd. And weirdly political for no reason at the end of this film. And then he ignites the explosives, and then the mine explodes. Meanwhile, we've got Steve and Cynthia and Mary and David driving. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And then all of the debris comes smash, smash, smash on the car. But it's okay. They're getting away. They're getting away. They're going to get away. And they pass. Um, they, they, they get away. And as I guess the sun's coming up, they pass the RV, which is where David's family was taken from and they pass uh, the car 
that Mary was taken from. And she's like, oh, pull over. There's an overnight bag in there. I would like to get the overnight bag Mm -hmm. because I feel gross and I just want some of my own things. And she opens up the car. I don't even know how she has the keys, but that's fine. She wasn't driving it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Henry Thomas's body and presumably the keys are nowhere. They're gone. They've Mm -hmm. been eaten by buzzards. Uh, In the backseat, there's a photo album. Y'all, when I tell you I have not seen a photo album in a very long time, I was like, oh, right, that's a thing that exists. Uh, And she says, David, come look at this. And I'm like, why don't you just hand it to him? He's been through enough and he's probably tired. Bring it to him. And there is a picture at the beginning, and it's a picture of Johnny and Pie together. And it's been and it's signed in Johnny's handwriting. It's mm-hmm. not his name, but Steve is like, "Oh yeah, I've watched him sign his name a, mm-hmm. a thousand times. That's definitely his signature." So they get this weird ghost gift that, like, I guess everything's fine. And they oh, because they had seen like a big cl- cl- cloud over the town, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, it's going to keep coming." And they're, and David's like, "No, it's dissipating." Look, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Great!" So now it's a bunch of different steams that can go into a bunch of different people. That doesn't seem good. Uh, and then they all drive away down the street, and I don't know how they're going to explain the fact that everyone's dead. They're all. I mean, Cynthia is really the only one who doesn't have to explain anything. Right. Because she was on her own hitchhiking. So she's not missing a person. Mm-hmm. But Annabeth Gish's husband is gone. David's whole fucking family is gone. Stephen's boss, gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like, I'm just like, how are you going right. to just go back to your lives? David especially. I'm like, well, David's fucked. Because David does not have access to his parents' bank accounts. Like, what? Well, what he, he did get... He says... Tell, you, what you need to do is remember that there was a terrible accident, and you're the only survivor. And when you say he says he, I was a Johnny. Uh, yeah. Said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the end. It's weird. So, what was your specifically to get into it? What exactly was your issue with it, and why did you feel it was simplistic? I'm curious. The God stuff was, it was overwrought, underbaked. I guess it feels <laughs> it's like. overwrought and underbaked at the same time. Like, yes, the constant, now we have to stand here and pray. Mm-hmm. Really? I think God is paying attention to what is going on. He's sending you ghost pie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you all need to stand in a circle out here and pray right now. Isn't that how Dad gets attacked anyways? Like, no, no, no. It's after that. It was um, after when that? When they're okay. walking up to the mine shaft is when a bird flies out of it for no reason. But like this constant going back mm. to, but God will... God, God, but God, God, mm. God. But then there is no real depth to that. It's very superficial, it feels uh, like. See, yeah, that's that's probably where we'll disagree. It, it I thought felt like... It was a lot more interesting than I thought it was when I first saw it. It, it felt like a child's understanding of God put mm-hmm. over the entire movie. And I'm just like, as an adult... <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a problem for me because there's no depth there. Because you do have the adults going, but God, what kind of God would let cruelty happen? And what kind mm-hmm. of God would let this happen? What kind of. And there's no real answer to that. Mm-hmm. But there is this unwavering, I told him I'd believe in him and follow him, and that's what I'm going to do. It's just like, it feels culty and it feels 
just un like it just doesn't it feels raw it doesn't feel fully formed and fully cooked that's mm. what i mean sort of by underbaked mm. see because i felt the exact opposite it's presented badly because this kid's kind of obnoxious at times. Right, and I'm the one that it's being presented to, plot. and I don't think... He keeps stopping the plot at different points so that we can all sit, and 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 also the idea that everyone's listening to him was another thing. All these adults are going to sit and wait and listen yeah, well, to this Yeah, well, let's listen to what David has to say. Right. I'm like, uh, and I, I mean, and he got himself out of the... The jail cell. The jail cell. Mm-hmm. But he did that with physics, <laughs> right? Like... Yeah, but he wouldn't have had the idea. His when he's first visited, he's visited by the ghost of Pi. Right, but nobody sees that but him. Right, and he sees sees that. Uh, so, he, and then th- that's when he gets the idea of getting the bar of soap. She brings him the bar. She of soap. She brings him the soap. The soap is a gorgeous, glowing green is, that I we have definitely seen before. Irish Spring. Um, <laughs> she brings him a bar of Irish Spring. It's very green. Um, and that and the luck of the Irish help. No, no, I. I but, See, like, they don't see any of that mm. stuff. Well, the only person who's really aware of anything, I mean, they're aware of the unnaturalness of what's happening. Right. But and, yes, they're like, well, something's wrong with this dude. Right, and they so, do see, like, the weird behaviors of mm-hmm. the animals. And, like, Mary, I could see being like, well, there's something supernatural going on because those animals didn't attack me. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, see, and, and that's why I felt like after I've, I saw the movie on its original run, I think, years and years and years ago. And at the same time, at the time, I was as annoyed as you sound with it. Okay. Like, oh my God, this sounds like a Sunday school lesson. It reminded me That's of... That's what it felt. It felt like, like watching... A, a R-rated, like, this is a Sunday school film that was directed by Dario Argento. But That's what yes, it felt like. It's so violent. It's and there, really... are, there are dead animals uh-huh. everywhere. There are dead children. There are mm-hmm. dead, you know, just murdered people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then also this very, like, it felt like that movie that we watched for the other show... Uh, Thief in the Night, where we're going to stop and preach to you every couple of minutes. Right. Now, I'll tell you why I didn't, I I felt, for one thing, now Mary is uh, Annabeth Gish's character, right? Yes. Okay, I felt like her character was sort of underdeveloped, again, knowing that parts of this might have been cut out. A woman, a female character in a Stephen King book? But I felt like there is, there's an attempt at a story arc with her. Because she starts out yes. kind of a nervous wreck. She's frightened. Why is he stopping? Why is he stopping? And she's yeah. really being really annoying. At the point where she realizes that these creatures can't hurt her because they're watching her, she starts toughening up. She's punching Tack in the face. She's crawling out through this window. She's Yes. She, and then in the end, the bird that kills, I had a scene that is not well realized, but I get right. the idea. The bird that kills Matt Frewer she grabs and rips in half of their bare hands. She whips that bird in half of their <laughs> like bare hands. Like she's the Hulk. The animal something. death in this movie is. But she just goes after it wild. because she's now discovered her, you know, inner Fuzina warrior princess. And so I can see that it's there was. It's just a lot of, not today, Satan. And but it's there, like, there, okay. There, there was a character development with her. With the kid, I felt watching it this time, there's a real attempt at the Odyssey, right? They're trying to, he's trying to explain why something really bad happens to really good people. And this is a theme that we see running throughout Stephen King because we, That's fair, yeah. Job is referenced a lot. Yeah. So at times this kid yeah. is not straight. Uh, when his father dies, he goes, well, then God is no better than Tuck. Yes. Right? He has this crisis of faith right. that this older man realizes because he's had the same kind of visions only he doesn't realize it. Right. Um, 
what it be, and without becoming and it's very much like mm. um it's a set his setup his mm. having seen talk 40 years ago in vietnam right. as a setup for recognizing it now feels very much like dreamcatcher mm-hmm. of yeah. duddits mentioning mr gray when they were kids Oh, it's or a means Mr. Mm. Gray, and they remember that 15 years later or whatever. It felt very similar to that. Well, yeah, the so I think there was meant to be more going on, and it's there on paper. You can see where he has his moments where he has a lack of faith. There's moments where he becomes uh, like a Christ figure. I pointed out to you the only food they find in this theater to, uh, for them is a loaf of bread and a group of cans of fishes, uh, right? Yes. And it literally becomes... It's so There's not enough fish for us, but every time someone reaches in the bag, there's more fish. So this is the the, mm-hmm. the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 mm-hmm. that's in all four Gospels, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, there's mysteriously enough fish for everybody mm-hmm. to have. And it's there's like a fine point put on that. Like this kid is at times a Christ figure, then has these terrible doubts. That, but it he winds up... Um, Going to this sort of uh, St. Arenas, his kind of uh, philosophy of why there's evil in the world is because evil exists in the world to perfect us as human beings, which is kind of the impression that you get because Johnny, in the end, does something really self-sacrificing right. for the first time in his life right. to save everybody else. So that's kind of what it feels like Stephen King is heading in. It's like, well, then evil exists because we, you know, in the end, it's all good for us in an afterlife. But for right now, we're struggling through it. We need to learn how to be better people. So sometimes the struggle means that we become better. Yeah. So it's like he was trying to, he's reaching for an idea. But the presentation just, of it felt so like. so heavy-handed. The presentation was as heavy-handed as um, The Stand, where there's a literal yeah, hand well, of God. literal hand of God, yeah. And I think that. <laughs> Mick Garris doesn't know how to, I don't think right. Mick Garris has tackled, I, right. maybe today in 2020, Mick Garris has tackled these questions in mm-hmm. his own life and his own, right. but I don't think he had at the time he made these movies and did not understand and did not, couldn't think of creative ways to put them on the stage, but also yeah. just the teleplay. The, Stephen King wrote this teleplay mm-hmm. and the words that these people are saying but again, are sometimes real rough. When I was thinking about it last night after we watched it. Yeah. Separating the words from the really goofy, at times goofy presentation I mean, this kid prays literally by sitting by the side of his jail bunk. Yes, putting it's his hands just together, the most, and he yes. If you and then his mom's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "If you look up prayer right. in the dictionary, it's a picture of this child doing this thing. Right, he's so, on his knees on the bed, fingers inter, interlaced, right, forehead on the fingers. He's bitch. He's praying. Like, what do you mean? What is he doing? So I think to me, the most significant line is the final line of the movie. Because then it's like this kid comes a full circle. What's he say? What is it? He's uh, when uh, in the picture uh-huh. of uh, the author and Pi together, mm-hmm. there's a chalk drawing yes. on the floor and it has a scripture on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think Mary asks him, well, what does it say? He says, well, it says, uh, that's this scripture. It says, God is love. It's like, well, is God love? So Stephen Weber asks him. That's he says, right. God's everything. That's why he's God. Yeah. That in itself is representing, I think, like a full circle to right. the thinking. That's the because smartest, he's like, How most does God philosophically allow... right. complete thought. And that's why I say that this movie is very philosophically deep, but the presentation of it is so... 
as you're saying, ham-fisted. Yeah. Because he really does have a really big thought in here, which is, why do these bad things happen? Yeah. Well, then maybe God isn't somebody you make bargains with. Maybe God is perfectly willing to have bad things happen as long as the end is good. Right. And so that vision, that has... A, right. It feels like that's just, that phrase should have been how they went into the film, mm-hmm. not how they leave the film. I know, and I think I, it's... Because uh-huh. it, I think it would have given them a, a better structure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a that's a good skeleton to hang this frame right. on, the, this film on. The skeleton of this film feels very weak. It feels like it's disintegrating. But do you understand my, my point about how... I do. How, yeah. I think that that is a very well-realized line, like, right. uh, philosophy. It's a it's a smart thing. Yeah. Like, and it was a great point to reach. It might be the reach. deepest line that Stephen King's ever exactly, written. Exactly, which is... When I first saw and it, it was, is almost a uh, throwaway yeah. at the end of this three-hour, it's, you know, it's over two-hour mm-hmm. runtime. It was a three-hour slot. So, that yeah. a lot of time felt like I was mm-hmm. being preached at. Yeah. But also being thrown, like, with all of this, I mean, gruesome death. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's like, it's, it's very muddled, it's very muddy. And I feel if the presentation had been a little less stressed, because you could make a lot of good arguments with a comparison between uh, David and John, you know, the 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 aging celebrity and the young kid mm-hmm. who all he knows is that mm-hmm. he made a deal with somebody. Mm-hmm. And coming to realize that somebody does allow people to die. Right. And does allow hor- horrible things in the world. Right. At the same time, that's just a part of what that somebody is. Right. So it was a huge idea. The problem is it was... Either it was compressed in a way, and like I feel I, I, I this the, could be revisited. It this, could, but I think and done one differently. Of the big problems that you're going to have mm-hmm. is the child as the voice of Christianity mm-hmm. in this movie is always going to be a stumbling block mm-hmm. because this is a child that is recent recent conversion, right? right? He has not been raised in, in the right. faith, right? His parents are not Right, and his faithful. mom especially. <laughs> right. So he's never going to have a nuanced view mm-hmm. that will be able to be articulated to both the people in the movie and by, well, by, by, by extension us as anything other than this... Precious moments, style, right. Christianity, and that's exactly what I was having the issue with the first time I saw it. Right, which feels uh-huh. very like it feels like I'm being buffeted by. But yeah. you got to believe in God. But you have to believe in God. You need to believe in God. God's with us. God's with us. And I'm just like, but I don't. The and the con- more you come at mm. me like this, the more I'm going to put the up. The conclusion a wall. that it came to to mm-hmm. me, this movie was more sophisticated in terms of a religious idea than The Stand was. For sure. Because The Stand never explains anything at no. the end. You know, God comes by and, you know, bitch slaps, Swats Randall him. flag, and, <laughs> and then we're done. But this one had a, an idea of like, well, maybe he's not what we think he is, or, you know, in that terms, but maybe then it's it was. Right. It was very much, he was taking this sort of No, uh, yeah, and if idea. you're taking all of the omnis that God right. is supposed to be, mm-hmm. he would be everything. Right, that and is the so whole, that's, that's the whole That's thing. an interesting conclusion to come up with, because he does, you know, go on the side of uh, St. Arenas, and he also do, goes into this sort of idea that maybe it's even bigger than that. But that, I agree that the presentation was so ham-fisted. It's really, it was so, it's rough 
yeah. to, to be buffeted and by that, that constantly. Because And like I said, the more that it comes uh, at me, the more I, as a non-faith mm-hmm. person, want to just put up a wall and be like, ugh, can we but stop with, like, I'm... The other thing, too, I think is, to me, the... Like the the fact that everyone's listening to him, that he becomes a sort of sage among these uh, adults. That's the other thing is, is, what does David have to say? I'm just like, y'all. No one listens to the kid. And <sighs> um, the other thing being that they are, <laughs> there's moments where it's embarrassing how badly they're hectoring him for praying. I thought, yeah. <laughs> it was like, God, leave him alone. Leave him. I, I'm like, <laughs> it's like yeah, there's, right. there's, a, there's, a, there's a realistic place in the middle where you're like, if the kid wants to pray, right, let him just, pray. He just lost he his is, sister for God's right, sake. He is going through it. And if this is helping right. him get through it, fine. And he does not but have, I do not need to then right. turn to him like a, the leader of my new cult. Like mm-hmm. that's... Because, yeah, it didn't, it didn't walk that line to where it made sense. And I think that the best conversations are between uh, the aging celebrity and the little kid. Yeah, I think that's right. Where he's just going on that whole conversation about free will, which was hysterical. But it is also wild that a grown man who uh-huh. has been to war and right. is a writer and is like, okay, kid, let's do a little, like, like right. he's doing a Socratic method like they're in a college classroom. But and I'm like, that's a child. That makes sense, though, if this guy really needs to not feel guilty about everyone dying. If there's a God and a judgment, no, then... no, no, no. I mean the conversations where he's right. like, "Yeah, but what about?" Well, but and I'm just what... like, "Why are you coming at this child like that? I, he's a child." I think <laughs> because I think what happens is that his... where's your God now? <laughs> like he's <I> twelve. <laughs> what happens in that scene? What I got from it is that he really does not want to feel the guilt over walking out of that bar and letting everyone die. No, he doesn't. He wants and to so he will else. just attack a child to say, oh, no, your, your worldview is different. But then ha- to have every other adult be like, oh, this is an appropriate conversation. Right, I know. No, this, is the problem this is fine. With including horror movies. that child's parents. Yeah. With <laughs> horror movies is that I don't know how we're supposed to move on yeah, from here. From here and get ha- to the next... You all need right. to find... You need to find the next town. You need to find the seediest mm-hmm. place you can find. You all need to get new identities. <laughs> and you need to, like... And we still haven't talked about the not love scene between the other two characters. Oh, but that's right. So, yes. Th- <laughs> that, bam, let's bam, talk bam. about that very, very brief, briefly <laughs> because we are running very long and my computer has 16% power left. Right. They go to the mine. Uh-huh. Are they at the mine? They are. This is when they first. This is uh, the, the the the. Oh, this is where they first are coming the town. into the town. They mm-hmm. haven't met up with everybody else this yet. This is Stephen. Uh, Stephen Cynthia. Cynthia. The um the hitchhiking girl. Uh-huh. So they are looking around this building that is, um. There's nobody there. They end up finding a bunch of bodies, but there's nobody there. By the way, Kelly Overton, great screamer. She, oh, yeah, she was letting loose with the screen. I like her. I think she might be my favorite character. Yeah. Although I do think Stephen Weber does nice work in the movie. Yeah, he does. Actually, he does. They There's this statuary, and the statuary is clearly like what the sheriff touched mm-hmm. to be possessed, right? But when two of them sort of come near near contact, and I don't think either of them actually puts hands on it. I think one of them it, does, and the, she touches him or something. Or something like that. The yeah. light glows, and they look at each other very much like they're about to bone down on this desk. I do not think that they do, but no, they there don't. is this weird thing where this thing is like, oh, two people, or like two 
these organisms could procreate mm -hmm. and I will make them do that. Like that is the sort right. of the sense that you get like like if they if if this thing needed people to breed, uh -huh. it, it could force them to do that. Right. But it does they don't, I don't think. Well, they, I think I what, think they have an intimate moment without any sex at all. Well, I think is, so this is what happens. I don't think they, they don't I'll, even no, kiss. No, no. I'll tell you exactly the way I saw it. <clears throat> There's this weird rock thing that looks like, you know It looks like a a piece of a, a fossilized dragon. dinosaur waste or whatever. Oh yeah, you thought it looked like poop. It, it was just it was really because I've seen that and it, yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> Anyhow, only much bigger. So it's kind of it's sitting on the desk. He touches it, I believe. She touches him, and they immediately start having some sort of strange sexual connection. Yeah. And then she starts heavy breathing. Yeah. And they pull apart, and she says, "I think I just." And then she looks at him, and he's still in shock, and she goes, never mind. Oh, okay. So it's, I think what happened is that whatever this thing is, that it's, it like, whatever, the, the connection that they it had together. It switched them on. Right. It switched <laughs> them way, on, yeah. and it, her more for him, that I think he was still surprised by it, but she's... Well, I think also that... Mm -hmm. um, Which was a neat way of saying she's infatuated with him, and he's attracted to her and kind of awkward about it. And I, I don't even think. I, I and and just. The, I don't know. I don't think that there was infatuation indicated on her mm -hmm. behalf. I do think that they're probably going to end up sleeping together at right. the post the but, because that's the thing. What we see is now yeah. we've got Mary, we've got uh -huh. David, we've got Steve and Cynthia. That's who gets right. out. Those four, um, in the in a moving truck, like they're all in. I think in. The but truck. I think that scene was kind of cute. Like, oh wait, oh things. Yeah, we can't. We're Things not. that we didn't, you know, that we didn't mean to get out of public. Yeah. And maybe there's a really nice scene where she freaks out. Like, they, they find all these bodies, and mm -hmm. she's, like, real scared. And he says, whatever happened here is over. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, a, like a really reassuring there, thing. Like, yeah. I really liked that line. Because it was like, yeah, this is fucking terrible. But mm -hmm. also, we're not going to be part of it. Like, it's, yeah. whatever it is, it's done. Yeah. We are walking on, on the aftermath, which is terrible and scary, mm -hmm. but I don't think we have to worry about something happening to us. Right. And I, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, which I, I like. actually liked him in this movie, and I, Thank you. I liked that couple. Yes. I liked the idea because whatever small differences they have, that you kind of find where they meet and why this is happening. Yeah. It's not as in other films where suddenly, oh, they're just going to become a couple because the script says right. so. Right, yes. I could see them having met at a bar or mm -hmm. whatever and, and getting along pretty well. Right. Like, you know. But I, yeah, the, the, the whole scene with the, the thing, I, like, that, that's But, weird. like, yeah, that, that was a weird, weird sexually for an ABC television film. That's well, the other thing. This wasn't on AMC, this wasn't on TNT. to constant, like, there's the more corpses in this film. Yeah. And it's not like the standard where there were corpses just around. There are corpses here, then we're seeing the corpses destroyed. We're seeing people fall on top of the corpses. We're yeah. seeing people put their hands to the death, corpses. A lot of animal death, like I said, which is, yeah. yes, yeah. But that one flying kid with the, the head buddy, you know, flying into the, the wall. Yeah, that was... I no. don't get how this happened. I think that at this point, what was it, the 90s? Uh, no, 2006. 2006, okay, that makes even more sense. 2006, you're fighting with cable for an audience. Yes. And cable is able to do so much more than you are. So, yeah. you know. Do a lot as much as they're doing now. Like, right. we're still I mean, a ways away from, you know, talking about So, you know, if, if you have a kid getting a broken bicycle helmet and orgasmic rocks, that's as far as they can push it in 2006. 
But um, yeah, I was surprised to hear shit the other day on broadcast television. Like, oh. yeah, they can do that now. Yeah, I was surprised. Wow. Okay, we've come a long way. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, I'm not sure maybe that's not. Work yes. Okay. So that's desperation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, I, I really, I think that had it been presented more subtly or with a little it, bit more, there's care, no subtlety to it. That yeah, is, that is the word that it is that, that has say, no place. In it has this a really discussion. good cast, and if for no other reason, watch Ron Perlman just. There is scenery with teeth marks just on it. You know, up, he's just up. delicious scenery. He is going up. nuts. God bless Ron Perlman. He's a great yeah, guy. Yeah, no, he's great. So, here's what's going to happen now, everyone. Next up is Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which Nightmares. is available in various streaming things, including YouTube, which is probably how we're going to watch it. And we're going to watch two episodes at a time. So, this show. This was a television show. It was an eight-episode show that aired on TNT mm-hmm. in 2006 also. And it, it aired during the summer of 2006. And it aired two episodes a week, actually, turns out. So we're going to watch two episodes per for the next four weeks. That is what we are going to do. So next up, we're going to watch Battleground, starring William Hurt, directed by Brian Henson. Oh, wow. And Crouch End, starring Claire Claire Forlani. Claire Forlani, God bless her. Um, Someone whose first name I'm going to pronounce Ewan, but I don't know if that's actually... It's E-I-O-N, and Mm. that's one of those words that I don't know. Bailey, directed by Mark Haber. So that is what we are going to watch. Both aired originally on July 12th, 2006. Battleground and Crouch End, that is what we are going to watch for next week. Uh, for this week, do you have anything you would like to recommend to our um, listeners other than maybe Desperation? If you can find it, we rented it on Amazon I'm Prime. not really sure. There is a series that I think I've recommended already, which would be The Outsider. We re- recommended and it, and so we're going to we talk about it, it. So I don't want to go on about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was what I finished that I felt actually very accomplished with. You, but you liked it. I didn't Overall, it very much. you enjoyed it. I am going to recommend a movie that you made me watch but didn't make me watch. Oh, well, two okay. actually two movies. I'm going to recommend two movies. Okay, two movies. Both so you'll make up for me. Were your recommendations? Uh-huh. One of which I should have watched probably uh, two decades ago, mm-hmm. and one of which is new. So we watched War Games last night. Oh, good, good. And I had never seen it. And I say, if you have not seen it, you should watch it. It's real good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that tiny baby Matthew Broderick before he killed the man. Oh. Do we not want to talk about that? No, probably not. <laughs> okay, we won't talk it about that. It was an accident. It was an accident, uh, but it still happened. So, uh, yes, I will say War Games is very good, but the other movie that we watched was Little Women, the Greta Gerwig mer- movie from last year. The definitely... She should have been nominated for Best Director. It's bullshit that she was not nominated for Best Director. It is also very good. You've been trying to get me to watch it for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you think I was so against it. It's just... Because you hate women, especially if they're little. <laughs> and y'all should know that at 40 years old, I have never read Little Women, mm. nor have I ever seen an adaptation of Little Women. So I did not know the story of Little Women. I've never read the book, and this is the only adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah. And... uh it's lovely. I think we bought it, so we can watch it again. <laughs> I was like, we could rent it or we could buy it for like $3 more, so we bought it. Uh, and I will watch it again. It is very good. 
has a bunch of women in it that are all very good. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern, very good. Chris Cooper, so good, made me cry. Uh, he's not a woman. No. He's a man. Uh, Tiny Timothy Chalamet, so thin, so skinny, so in love with all the girls. That's <laughs> so different than when he's in love with all the boys. <laughs> Call me by your name. Uh, I like him and Saoirse Ronan together. I like them They're in very Lady Bird, funny. and I like them here. Uh, they're very funny. So, both of those movies, very good. Two good. Thumbs up. I'm glad you like them. People are partying. It's getting to be noon on Sunday, so I guess they're coming out of church. Oh, wait, they didn't go to church. Oh, not no. that guy. <laughs> not you don't know that. Don't judge a man by his It's 11.55. He wasn't in church. Well, he shouldn't be in church because churches should still not be open. Virtual church. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Battleground and Crouch End. Virtual Nightmares church. and dream ca- Dreamscapes. Uh, the TNT four-week television event. We're going to make it a four-week podcasting event. Uh, and until then, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you know where we can get Kingdom Hospital, <laughs> shoot us an email, latecomerspod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at latecomerspod. Uh, we are available on Facebook by typing Latecomers Podcast up in the search bar, and you'll find us there. Look at my cute little Canva things that I do for each episode with pictures from the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. I like them. I like I'm a them fan. Too, very much. Until next week. Thank you for listening. This is a very long episode. <laughs> and I tell you to remember to take your medicines, stay inside, keep that social distancing up. We still need to quarantine, or we still need to stay separate because this thing is not over. And we remind you better, better late than, than never. never.